Hello everyone, hello Teachers Coffee, hello George and our lovely guest Vasiliki. Hello, hello and Happy New Year, first show of the year for Teachers Coffee for 2021. A promising year, um, like an escape. We see it all like an escape from 2020. And I hope you know that there is uh, something good for us uh, throughout this year. Welcome, Vasiliki. So good Thank to have you. Here. Thank you for calling me to be with you today. Happy New Year to everyone. Let's hope that it be a less challenging year and teachers will be more prepared to overcome the challenges. With us today, as you have probably heard, we have Vasiliki Lismani, our dear friend, and we're going to talk about translanguaging today. It looks as though this is a buzzing word and uh, something that more and more teachers are interested in. I think more and more academics talk about this as well. So maybe we're talking about a new trend, but definitely uh, maybe a new method or a new way of uh, expressing ourselves through language that can be very beneficial for learning. But maybe Vasiliki wants to tell us more about this. Okay, so in very simple words, translanguaging means that we use two or more languages for teaching and learning in the same lesson. So it might sound too simplistic to put it this way. So in practice, it means that we allow our students to use the Greek language when this is necessary, but this should be done in a planned and systematic way. Which means that, first of all, we, uh, as teachers, we should have answered to questions why, when, how, and how much uh, we should allow our students to use Greek in our uh, classes. And of course, we should have made uh, a plan before actually delivering our lesson and know uh, where to put such activities. For example, uh, the pre-reading or the pre-writing uh, stage of a lesson are uh, good uh, places where we can allow our students to use uh, the Greek language. And let's mention that when we talk about the Greek language, we mean any language of, of an L1 language, not only yes. Greek. I mean, if, if the kids, the students are uh, from another country, like, for example, mm -hmm. Poland, that, then we refer to the Polish e language, Exactly. Right? Yes, Natas, exactly. This is a very good remark. So the most important thing is to realize that uh, in a bilingual's mind, there is not a separate uh, linguistic background that uh, caters for their first language or another uh, kind of uh, background that caters for their second language. So they are all together. So allowing our students to draw whatever they have from their linguistic background, it could also be another foreign language that they know. So they can draw things from French, for example, if they are more advanced learners in another language. So whatever they have available can be used in our lesson. And that's the idea of translanguaging. Mm -hmm. 
You know, this is an extremely interesting remark, and at the same time, I would say it's very daring in the sense that I guess uh, we three come from a generation of students that you were either penalized to use your L1 in the classroom or mixing languages like that because it was thought that this will hinder you from learning the, uh, uh, the learning language proper, properly. Mm -hmm. So uh, I guess this is a new path and uh, I, um, this is something that Ma uh, Rachel Marie Paling also mm -hmm. insists on that and he, she, she even suggests some ways maybe you can actually tell us more about this or other ways that of course the first thing that you can do is write down some words that you know from a language that you already know and and try to correlate, correlate them, for example, to English, mm -hmm. to the target language. This helps okay. the brain amazingly, may, mm -hmm. uh, finding this already existing path uh, that uh, can, uh, you know, gives you an extra push. So to mm -hmm. go forward and maybe learn more vocabulary based on that. That's true, George. Now, for many years, our students have been punished. And if you remember yourself as a student, you might remember situations when you were punished or penalized, as you said, because you used uh, the Greek language. And even uh, among teachers, there is this native, non-native teachers uh, conflict. Uh, so, translanguaging is a kind of lingu uh, linguistic liberalism. So, uh, it, it gives freedom to teachers to use their uh, students' background. And there are so many things that you can do. Uh, this way you help their students, you help our students be more confident, feel more secure and appreciated. And it's not, it's characteristic that the whole idea, the whole approach of translanguaging started in uh, teaching English as a second language. So these students actually needed to be confident and supported and respected for their linguistic background and not penalized for this. Of course, and I must say that um, it's also a very brain-friendly way because it, mm -hmm. it makes absolute sense. The brain uh, knows your uh, your native language, your mother language, so it makes absolute sense to start linguistically from this, uh, from something that you already mm -hmm. know, and start building uh, upwards uh, using this as a foundation. Exactly, and although for years there was this strong notion against uh, uh, L1, and L1 interference was something that was considered as a deficit, um, there has been so much research on uh, second language acquisition, uh, which supports that there is a very strong interdependence between the two languages, uh, the first one and the second language that we learn. and. For example, the level of uh, L2 competency is related to our first language level. And there are other models which suggest that, for example, L2 reading is to some extent related to our L1 reading ability. So we cannot um, study uh, these two things in isolation. talk about practical things now. Uh, what are the ways that you try to implement um, translanguaging in the everyday teaching, Vasiliki? Mm -hmm. Okay, Natasha. So I started thinking about translanguaging uh, in practice when I realized that we have very young students 
taking uh, high-stake exams, namely B2, C1, and C2. So the problem with these students was, and still remains the same, that um, they have to deal with issues and topics in reading or writing, maybe, that they don't have any idea at all, even in their uh, mother tongue. They haven't read or they haven't listened to anything about it in Greek. So I realized that just giving them the vocabulary, useful vocabulary and necessary vocabulary or jargon in some cases, in order to deal with these, uh, with these readings didn't help. So I realized that when, every time I allow them to start talking about the issue first in Greek or either or even allowing them to do some research in Greek websites and then bring into classroom their ideas and the information they've got and then start building on these, uh, I got better uh, results from, from them. So that would be a very good idea, starting scaffolding uh, a topic uh, talking in Greek, allowing our students to uh, get involved in group activities where they can use uh, the Greek language and then bring the results uh, in English. So write a text or make a presentation. And uh, we know that we have mixed ability classes, so you might have a student who has all the background knowledge, what we call content schemata over a topic, but this student might not have the vocabulary. And there are other students who have the vocabulary, but they are completely unfamiliar uh, with this topic. So if you combine the knowledge that these students have and allow them to work with whatever they have available and then present something together, this is a fine example of translanguaging and how it can be used in, uh, for example, pre-reading or pre-writing stage in our classes. And of course, to all this that you that is mentioned here today, we must um, also state the obvious that this is um, an extremely positive uh, psychological push for the learner because uh, the brain is relaxed. I mean, there is no penalization, there is no like fear or even of making mistakes since you are uh, you are allowed to use your uh, native language, and and thus I feel this uh, psychologically creates a more positive learning experience in general. Definitely, definitely, George, and it's something which is more realistic. I mean, this is what they are going to do in their whole life. They are going to work not only with native speakers, but from speakers of English as a second language, so uh, mostly with them. So working with these people and uh, drawing from each one of them, drawing from their linguistic background and bringing something to create a project, maybe. This is what they are going to do their whole life. So it's a more realistic goal instead of um, talking about uh, how to make our students uh, sound like uh, native speakers. We talk about uh, students who are going to excel like emergent bilinguals. And that should be the target nowadays of uh, English language teaching and learning. Vasiliki, I would like to ask you something. So, um, is translanguage somehow connected to translation? Can you distinguish mm. between those two terms? Because we often tend to confuse mm -hmm. them. Yes, it could be. 
it could be because when you work as a translator, it's not that you uh, just translate word by word what's in the text. Okay, so it needs to have a, it. It needs to have a deep uh, knowledge of both languages: the one that you, the actual one that you have in the text, and the one that you translate into. So it can be related based on the fact that it takes knowledge of both languages. But uh, the difference is that it's not all. It, it's not only done in order to have a specific result, like translating a text. It's mostly a state of mind. It's mostly about using whatever you have uh, in your mind, linguistically in your mind, in order to understand better language, make um, a better out, have a better outcome. So when we translate, we have a specific project, we word by word. But in case of translanguaging, you might uh, study a whole text in one language, summarize it in Greek, then turning it into English. So I think it's more broadened term, which definitely has uh, implications in translation. Vasiliki, another question out of pure curiosity. Would you correlate or are there is there any common ground between mediation and translanguage? Well, it could be in a way that uh, we try to find a way to combine things. So yes, transla translanguaging try it tries to uh, cover the gap between uh, different languages that we use in our classes. So, uh, yes, on this uh, ground, yes, there is a very strong relationship. Well, I would say that this concept is very relieving for both uh, students and teachers as well. Uh, because they, you know, they somehow see that the way that they used to teach in the past without having in mind the fact that they all have to sound too British, <laughs> that is somehow a bit more, it creates a state of freedom and it gives you more opportunities to give, uh, to target the topic and the deep understanding of each topic than focusing on the language only, which is finally the medium mm -hmm. and not the, the core yes. of the concepts that we sometimes want to, mm -hmm. to deliver or to transmit or to, to make our kids learn. Natasha, I think that this is the whole point that uh, we should realize that uh, language is about communication. Um, I would say that translanguaging and the use of the, the idea of using English as a lingua franca are the two different sides of the same coin. Now, realizing that language, uh, of course, has uh, a lot to do with, uh, with culture and history, and there are many issues related to this. And I think that this mostly has to do with the native speakers. But uh, as a second language, uh, speakers of English as a second language, we should realize that it's a medium of communication. So we cannot expect from everyone, uh, for anyone, be as a perfect native speaker uh, as a British. I mean, even British are not perfect speakers of their own language, and uh, that uh, applies to Greeks as well. So I don't think that we should expect uh, from our students too many things, things are that are beyond uh, real life uh, expectations. Mm -hmm. 
and and of course translanguaging has so many implications to assessment because uh, many uh, people many teachers might uh, have the question what about the exams right so there are people who have who propose ideas about examinations as well for example uh, to be allowed for students to give answers in their native language because as long as they have understand the uh, the text and they can answer the question uh, it's not a matter uh, on in which language they're going to give the answer so there are so many applications to think about when we talk about translanguaging and definitely worth uh, considering You you use it as a as an approach, Vasiliki, in your in your lessons, yes. right? Yes, mm -hmm. I yes I do. I I gave you some examples of how to use it in uh, um, um, exam preparation classes, uh, especially with young students who don't know how, who don't have the background information over a topic. Um, I I like using it also with C2 level students who are um, either teenagers, but at the age of six, 17, 18, hopefully, or maybe adults. Uh, it's very good because they have so many things in Greek to put into their into our lesson uh, for example uh, we recently had a lesson about history and it was very interesting uh, to draw information from uh, Thucydides and uh, um, my students have already studied uh, history uh, and the idea and the concept of history that was raised by Thucydides and it was very interesting to uh, study the Greek text uh, even in ancient Greek, and then make the correlation with an English text. So that was a fine way to use not only Greek, the, the modern Greek language, but also ancient Greek. Or another idea is with poetry, and you, you uh, asked me about translation, Natasha, before. So it was a very interesting and exciting, I would say, experience when I asked my students to read uh, Ithaca, in uh, Greek and they try to translate it into English and then compare and contrast their translation with the one that we find uh, on the internet. So there are so many things that you can do and they actually told me that uh, this way they understood the, the, the poem uh, in Greek better than they did in their uh, class at school, in Greek class at school. So there are so many things to attract uh, students in the rest. Absolutely, Vasiliki, I totally agree with you and this concept. So, the truth, I have studied translation and I have worked as a translator for quite a lot of years. And it's something that I really like, uh, this old concept of the fact that we shouldn't be confusing the languages is a bit, I would say, old-fashioned for me. Mm -hmm. It is. <laughs> uh, outdated, because, okay, it's not about confusing languages, it's about trying to understand the concept in different languages and that way you might succeed in becoming a very good student in both languages and in concepts and in deep philosophical matters that can be easily understood if you use your own language and then trying to express everything, your feelings and your thoughts in another language. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's true. And uh, we keep telling our students that we should, they shouldn't uh, translate word by word. This is something that they commonly do and that creates many mistakes. Uh, but I think that all these, the way that we have been teaching the language so far, it actually promotes uh, this kind of, uh, if I may say, if I may use this word, promotes this 
these kind of, um, of mistakes. But if we allow them to understand, to deeply understand the languages, both languages, uh, through uh, an English lesson, uh, then I think that this kind of mistakes would, uh, would eliminate. Well, absolutely. Word-for-word uh, -word translations don't even work when you translate. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> most successful translations are the ones that you try to, to deliver the message in another language, That's but it. using the concepts and the techniques and the structure of the other language, following the pattern of the topic, not the pattern of the language. Mm -hmm. That's what exactly. I meant before. That's yes. it. That's it. And that's the point where um, for some people translanguaging and translation might be confusing, but, that, but as I told you before, it's not the same, although there is some research on how translanguaging can be uh, applied in uh, translation. And I'm sure that you are more aware of this since you are familiar with uh, translation. I'm not that fa familiar with it, uh, professionally at least, uh, but it's not the same thing. It's about covering the concept is about summarizing, understanding, and producing something more into the new language. I'm deeply covered, fully covered, <laughs> to tell you the truth, by all the things that you have mentioned. And uh, as I told you yesterday, I didn't know a lot of things about translanguaging because it's something new, I think, and more, more modern. Mm -hmm. it's, it's new for us. Unfortunately, all these old developments come with a bit delay. Uh, not on, I think not only in Greek, it, it takes some time to digest and use them. Uh, but the actual translanguaging, if we want to refer to the origins, uh, it dates back to the 80s uh, in uh, Wales, where they started, uh, where they tried to revitalize the Welsh language through formal educational system, and they thought that they can start using both uh, English and Welsh language in uh, classes. So it took about 30 years for us to realize how important it is to uh, allow our students and uh, feel free to use their first language or whatever this is, not only uh, the Greek language, but whatever they have uh, in their linguistic background and uh, appreciate it and respect it and put it into practice in their uh, second language uh, lessons. Where the I'm also fully covered, uh, Vasiliki. Um, any resources or books that you would uh, highly recommend for someone who is a beginner regarding this language? Um, yes, there, there are no books actually that can be used, particular books which I refer to translanguaging. It's a, you can find lots if you search. Uh, on the internet, you can find lots of um, uh, lots of research, and these and people who have done this research also uh, refer to their own um, strategies and approaches that uh, they have used. So uh, for me, uh, the most important thing is to change uh, our state of mind. Uh, this is the step one, the first step. If you realize that you don't have to use uh, only uh, the English language in our English language lessons, then uh, the, the rest of it is going to come uh, naturally. For me, the most important thing is to, to state 
the attitude that we have. And this is the, the thing that we have to deal with it as teachers and director of studies or whoever is responsible for, uh, for the lessons. To realize that there's nothing wrong about using a native language. Uh, if we do this, if we realize this, if we change a, a teacher's attitude, towards teaching English, then the rest of it uh, is going to come naturally and there is lots of research that and activities that they can find uh, about it. So, Vasiliki, I don't know if you would like to add anything else. I think that we have covered most of the things that uh, can be covered within a 30-minute uh, podcast. Um, we're very happy that you were our guest again after it was a one and a half year, I think. Yes, it, it's, more, it's more than a year, yes. Yes, it was, it's more uh, than a year. It was very great strange. for me as well. <laughs> a very strange was. year <laughs> was in between. Right. <laughs> Back but then we had God. the interview, the interview at, uh, at the studios. Hopefully, uh, the next one will be there as well, so we don't have to yes. do it from Let's hope for remotely. <laughs> Let's hope for better days. <laughs> Let's social distancing. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, so over to us, George. Now. Thank you so much too. Bye. Yes, Natasha. Uh, just a quick reminder that uh, no matter if it's um, only the 8th of January, um, webinars and the word webinar has become the buzzing word again for the last two or three months. I dare say that there might be some kind of saturation, but on the, um, uh, on the other hand, there is nothing else that uh, can actually cover from our professional development. So people do insist uh, on webinars and I think they're doing well doing so. Uh, there are so many conferences around and more and more will uh, be added as we move on, move on throughout 2021. So um, this coming weekend there is an amazing virtual conference which is already on since yesterday with many professional speakers um, with um, um, excellent presenters and it takes place uh, in Bolivia virtually of course but it's uh, broadcasted all over the world there is a very small symbolic fee uh, for the non-members to attend but there are so many different talks uh, from big names from the other side of the Atlantic that it's really wor uh, worth watching and not only that Express Publishing will be there and I will be there this coming uh, Saturday delivering the closing plenary on um, brain-friendly learning. So you are all invited uh, and will be more than happy to uh, see you there. And the other one, uh, the other webinar that we highly recommend is by our good friend Nick Micheliudakis. Uh, this time is organized by ELT Action. Uh, it's supposed to be only for West African teachers, but it's going to be open to everyone again. Uh, Nick has um, um, a brand new talk on motivation, which again I highly recommend. And uh, this one is at seven o'clock, uh, I'm sorry, at uh, five o'clock UK time um, this coming Sunday. Day. So, Saturday and Sunday, we cater for your professional development. See you there. And um, Natasha, until next week, that I know that you have already booked our guests, it's goodbye from me. 
Yes, I won't reveal anything yet, uh, but we have very, very, two very good friends of ours and we're very happy to have them up to some time again. Uh, so, until next Friday, have a lovely weekend. I'm really sorry that um, my sound, I sound a bit awkward, but we're trying to find, you know, new ways of approaching you because we're socially distant. We speak and we communicate from different posts.